You're listening to the EFT Healing Center online radio network. Tap into your fullest potential. Starring the founder of the EFT Healing Center, Annabelle Fisher. I'm your co-host, Scott Patton. Good afternoon, Annabelle. How are you doing today? (laughs) Hi, Scott. I'm very well. Thank you. I'm supercharged after an amazing weekend. Well, it sounds like you're flying high. Indeed, I am, and I certainly was yesterday because um, a friend and I went hang gliding. Wow. Yes, uh, it was uh, a dream of mine ever since, uh, goodness, well over 10 years ago, I uh, did a tandem skydive. And I love the adrenaline bars of jumping out of the plane and uh, all the rest of that. But what I enjoyed the most and still can visualize very clearly was as, as the, the parachute went up, we were suspended in the sky and the stillness, there was nothing, no sound at all. And all I could hear was the flutter of the parachute in the wind. Um, and we gently cruised around and slowly came back down to the ground. I mean, I don't really know how long we were up there. Maybe it seemed like a long time. Maybe it was five to ten minutes. I'm not sure. But I always wanted to recreate that, but in a different way. I didn't really have any incentive to do another skydive. Um, and so a friend suggested hang gliding. And again, it was just the most extraordinary sensation of of just that hovering and moving up and down with the current. And we were actually circling above an eagle at one point, And then the eagle went above us and then it swooped down below us again. It was amazing, wow. Scott. Just beautiful. That would uh, be just spectacular. Yeah, it was. I mean, the scenery was amazing. We had snow-capped mountains and the forest beneath us and uh, the Fraser uh, River. Uh, yes, it was. we were very, very blessed with the weather. Um, yeah, it was amazing. Well, I, I've often thought that would be a very fun thing to do, except the fact that I'm hundreds and thousands of feet in the air, <laughs> and, and there's nothing really between me and the ground except that air, and I would be a little concerned about the landing. Yeah, the landing was one of the most fun parts because I had assumed, um, well, with um, when I did my skydive, I had to swing my legs up, so almost as if I was sitting up with them, my legs straight out in front of me. And the guy who I was attached to came in and sort of ran down, and he took the weight. And I thought perhaps that's what we do with the hang gliding, but actually we came down on, horizontally on our stomachs, and uh, so we were skimming the ground, and... Uh, and that's how we landed, and that caused a lot of screaming from me as well. We, uh, so we just whizzed along uh, close to the ground and then landed on the ground. We weren't being dragged along, uh, but that's how we landed. Um, and so that was even more fun. So I got an adrenaline buzz at the end as well. Wow, that sounds ex- very, very exciting. <laughs> and what was interesting, because I thought of our podcast today straight away, because um, my friend and I uh, w- were doing uh, a, um, the hang gliding, so I went first and she went second, and then there was a family, and the two youngest children were going to go up afterwards, and the mother and the grandmother and I were chatting and laughing, and so I asked if they were going to do um, t- some hang gliding, and they both chorus, no, um, I'm very afraid of heights. Wow. And um, 
And uh, I mentioned that to the, the guy that took me up, and he said, yes, what a shame because of what they're missing um, and not, not able to enjoy the, the spectacular scenery or, or the energy of the experience because of their fear of heights. And, um, and isn't that true in a lot of areas of our lives where we, you know, I was just thinking as you were talking, we're, oh, I don't want to do this because I'm afraid uh, of doing it and it's just and like you said there's there's that experience that that uh, could be absolutely magnificent and I'm sure there are times when there's that experience that is not so magnificent but in this particular case here is a a wonderful magnificent experience where you get to see the world uh, interact with an eagle uh, and do things that are out of the way out of the realm of an or you know the ordinary everyday life and they're there, and then they just miss it because, oh, I'm too scared. That's right. Um, and I think that you're absolutely right. So many of us lose out on experiences because of the fear. Um, and, of course, it, it's, it's all subjective, but in actual fact, it's all unrealistic. Because if they hadn't done hang gliding in the past, how would they know there was something to be afraid of? Um, unless, of course, they'd had uh, first-hand knowledge of hang gliding from somebody else who told them it was absolutely terrifying. Um, and uh, so, yes, uh, we are impeded um, and held back by fears, for sure. Um, and I think that plays a big role in many people's lives. Uh, people are, uh, I mean, to use the metaphor of hang gliding, they are afraid to go to the edge. But um, in order to fly, we actually have to go to the edge and take that step. Um, and of course, that's easier said than done. But then with the tool of EFT, we can overcome that. And I mean, I've worked with many clients on fears and phobias, and uh, uh, I've healed some of my own. And I know many hundreds and thousands of people that have used EFT for fear um, or phobias, and it's been hugely successful. Mm, cool. And, uh, well, so, sometimes uh, something like a fear of heights is very interesting because uh, most people seem to be born with that. So, for example, my mother has a fear of heights, and uh, until we had done EFT, she wouldn't uh, look out of the window of an aeroplane because uh, it made her feel sick. Um, and uh, if, if we're up in a high building, she won't look out of the window or over, over the edge of a banister or something like that. Uh, because of her fear of heights. Um, but uh, as far as I'm aware, she didn't ever have a scary experience um, as to why uh, she should be afraid of heights, why her body told her that she was in um, a frightening situation and she needed to be um, hypervigilant. I agree. I think it's one of those emotions that is almost inborn in us because for thousands and hundreds of thousands of years if we were you know high and we fell like it would it would really hurt us and of course today we still a lot of us and I know I certainly will feel this emotion like if I'm up on a I was actually uh, in Vegas a couple months ago and I was staying at the Trump uh, hotel in Vegas and we were having meetings in the Trump penthouse so we were you know 40 or 50 floors up and you know, the windows in some places were like ceiling to to floor. So if you stood right by the window, you pretty much felt like 
uh, you know, you're gonna, and I would feel that as I got closer, right? And I know well, that's kind of interesting because there's no way I can get through this window, even if I stare <laughs> against it. But I would still have that feeling, right? And uh, and then uh, I actually I've been to Vegas a lot this year for some reason. I flew over the Grand Canyon a couple weeks ago, and it was in one of these like eight-person planes. So I'm used to the big planes, right? But this one was, you know, you go along and all of a sudden it would hit an air pocket and it would drop 10 feet <laughs> instantly. Mm -hmm. And you're like, well, there goes the stomach, right? And it was a lot different feeling than uh, than in a, like a, a big airplane. So I, I know when you're talking about this fear of heights, absolutely. It's, uh, it's one that uh, most people would say, yeah, I've got the fear. I can overcome it, right? I can do things, but... Uh, it may not be too debilitating in certain situations, but other ones like, oh, yeah, absolutely, right? Yes, and of course, um, it's our body's way of protecting us because it, it makes sense to not go to the edge of a cliff and look over without there being a railing in front of us, for example. So our body, uh, our body physiologically responds in a way to protect us so for example the heart rate might increase like for you when the, you were on that in that small plane I'm sure your heart rate increased you may have even felt a bit hot and as well as when your stomach lurched uh, uh, there so, was a few screams too uh, not coming out of me but uh, <laughs> some of the other passengers were like ah! Yes, that's right. So this, uh, I mean, I screamed when we went off the cliff yesterday. Um, I screamed and screamed and screamed and screamed. And then finally I stopped screaming. And then I, I apparently I started again about three minutes later. <laughs> so um, I think the people on the top were having a, a bit of a giggle because the, uh, they then adjusted to the silence. And then I started screaming again. But that, that again, is uh, the reaction to being in that kind of extreme situation. Um, I, I didn't choose to scream, and it just happened. Uh, so the, the, the thoughts of the, this and our, the body's signals that tell us that this is not safe can prevent us from actually, as I say, going to the edge. And it can be ingrained uh, in us through um, uh, figures in authority who have either had the fear themselves, so then it's normal for us. So, for example... Um, my mom uh, was very uh, well she, she's quite afraid of quite a lot of things uh, so uh, water she she was afraid to swim and we, we overcame that with EFT as I say afraid to look out of the window we actually got on the plane through EFT feeling calm and confident and then looking out the window through EFT so she's overcome a lot of debilitating fears but I do know when I was a, ch a child and a teenager I too was very fearful of the world, uh, very, very aware of uh, what was going on in the world and could I be affected by that and there the was a lot to be afraid of. Mm -hmm. um, and that's because one of my authority figures, uh, my mother, um, I think passed on that energy to me. She modeled it really well for me. And of course, the media has a part to play in movies and things like that. Um, so I thought it would be useful to discuss some ways for the listeners to work on any anxieties that they may have um, uh, leading into phobias um, so that they really can enjoy a full life and uh, do whatever they either want to do 
Uh, so going to the edge and, and doing something that brings them a thrill and joy or uh, overcoming impediments, like, for example, uh, not being able to go into, um, like you described, that high office building because the, there were wall, uh, ceiling to floor windows which could affect certain people and they might not even want to go into the room i mean you said you felt a bit uh, ooh when you're walking towards the window some people might not even go into the room seeing those windows well when you walked into the room there was all these windows and <clears throat> really they could have not been there like it was just like uh and all you're doing is you're looking out and it's just a long way down from the door absolutely uh, I'm sure people walk in, walk in and most of them go wow right what a view but I'm sure there's a few people that kind of go yeah <laughs> am I up yes <laughs> yeah and so uh, we are trained by our bodies that if we're feeling discomfort in that moment like that uh, to stop and not go further and so I'm not su suggesting I don't come from a place with my clients of fill the fear and do it anyway and I know a lot of people do that and they do it most successfully so I'm not cr criticizing it but I don't endorse it um, I think uh, acknowledge the fear show some compassion for yourself that you're feeling it and is there a way that you can overcome it in that moment so you can enjoy the view or the flight or the water or whatever it is perhaps it doesn't have to be a source um, of uh, something that creates uh, panic perhaps it could be something that we it could become our friend so to speak yeah so instead of stopping us it actually moves us forward yes exactly um, and so you most usually with um, fears uh, and phobias it's really useful to go back to past events now often that there may be nothing many people I've worked with um, have said nothing specific has happened I've always felt this way um, I was born feeling like this and and my father or my mother also f have this phobia um, but if possible um, if if there is an event go back to that so um, I've worked with people um, um, thinking, thinking about animals, a lot of people have phobias of insects or reptiles or rodents. Um, I've had, I've worked with clients yes. who, perhaps as children, uh, were playing and a sibling has thrown something at them, like thrown a spider at them, uh, or uh, a beetle or something. You know, Annabelle, as you were talking, you reminded me of another trip. I feel like I'm never home now that I'm on this particular episode. But <laughs> You're was, always traveling. <laughs> I was in southern Florida at the Everglades about a year and a half ago. And uh, the friend that I was visiting said, let's go to the Everglades. You know, So I'd never been there. So we went and there was a path. And then what they did is they built a wooden pathway about four feet over the water. So you could walk over the water and everything else. And there was like huge crocodiles. I'm pretty sure they were crocodiles, not alligators. They get really upset if you get it the wrong way around for some reason. Uh, not the crocodiles or alligators, the people. <laughs> and uh, the crocs, they don't care. But I mean, these things are massive and they got these huge mouths and everything else, right? And I'm standing above it going, whoa, I'm so happy I'm up here. But one of the guides was telling us that the the alligators, I mean, they love to sun themselves, right? And there was one day there was this huge seven-foot-long alligator sunning himself 
right beside the path, okay, like the concrete path in the grass, not on the wood uh, at all. And he said, I couldn't believe it. Like all these people were walking on the path right beside this crocodile. Wow. And the thing, you know, was like if it decides it's hungry, it can move 20 feet in a couple seconds and you're gone, right? So they were like taking it, telling these people like, get away, get away, get away. And they, were, they just were totally oblivious to the fear. So, you know, oftentimes, uh, you know, in our society, we have, we have fears that, you know, don't help us, but we also have fears that should help us. And, and sometimes we're just so used to being so safe that we don't recognize when we're actually in danger too, which is sort of the other side of this, right? Yes, um, I think that that's a va hugely valid point. I mean, when my husband and I were on a road trip this summer uh, in northern BC and up in Yukon, uh, the number of people that were getting out of their vehicles to video bears that were eating by the roadside, uh, I was just blown away. Um, I mean, as you say, if one of those bears decides uh, that it's oh, hungry... You look I, yummy. <laughs> Exactly. Or worse still, that somebody's in, in the way between the mother and her cubs. Mm. Um, but I think, uh, yes, there is that, uh, that lack of awareness. And then there's, of course, the fear that is realistic. And we should have, a, there's no way I was going to get out of the car and start filming a bear. But I was happy to sit in the car with the window down and take some photographs. Um, so uh, fears are, um, are great because they, they keep us aware so long as they are realistic and relative. But when they start um, impeding on our enjoyment of life, uh, that's when it's really important to consider them and how am I going to resolve this um, rather than allowing the fear to lock us in and control us. Um, how, how am I able to overcome this? And again, thinking of that word control, it's not about controlling the fear. So it's not about feeling it and doing it anyway and sucking it up. It's about releasing it so it's no longer there standing in the way and blocking us. Absolutely. So so going back to uh, where it may have originated from, as we do uh, all the time with EFT, where, where, what's the trigger here? Uh, so very often, as I say, something that may have happened in the family as a child, uh, an, anim um, an insect or something, or um, a rodent being thrown at another sibling, um, that can create a, a fear. Or fi finding an animal suddenly uh, in an unexpected place, uh, that can create um, a phobia as well. Um, and so if that is relevant to your phobia, then definitely go back to that event and tap on everything that's coming up as a result of that, like the, the fear that's coming up or the anger towards the other person um, and work through it specifically what it was like experiencing that. And the chances are because you've healed that uh, original trigger, that high emotional impact event, uh, then uh, that will ease the f current phobia. Um, and that, that's the way that I work with my clients. Um, but also to be aware of the physical sensations that come up as well. Uh, so perhaps if somebody sees a spider or they're in a place where they are high up, thinking of the fear of heights, uh, they need to go up a ladder, say, um, or uh, look out of the, the window like you did in the hotel. 
um, then what, what's coming up? What, what physical uh, signals are you being sent by your body and how can you ease that? So a lot of people feel churning in their stomach um, or maybe tight headedness or their heart rate increases or their breath short, uh, their breath becomes um, shallower, more shallow. Mm. Um, so uh, address that, acknowledge that the body is in a, a highly distressed state and acknowledge that as well. Um, and that will help you feel c far clearer and calmer about the situation. I think one of the things that you say, and you, you said it more than once, and I'm really starting to get it right now, is the whole idea of being gentle with ourselves and being aware of, of what our body is trying to tell us as opposed to just, you know, okay, I'm afraid of snakes or I'm afraid of crocodiles or I'm afraid of heights and I'm just going to go charge up there and I don't care that I'm afraid sort of thing, right? Do it, like you said, feel the fear and do it anyway. And that can be, in my opinion, not really respecting my body you know, because if my body's saying, you know, get away from the window, it's not safe and everything else, and I'm going, yeah, yeah, I hear you, but I'm not listening to you. Um, it, to me, that doesn't sound like a really healthy way to live my life. That's right, uh, because it, it's not listening to the body, it's not honoring it, and all it's doing really, Scott, is pushing down what we're feeling and disregarding it too. Oh, I, I must soldier on or I must, I must be really strong here, how, how silly I am, um, and just pushing it down um, and not really respecting um, ourselves. And that's just going to cause more problems. Yeah, I mean, it, it doesn't resolve anything. It's just um, it further impacting. I mean, I was working uh, with a client uh, just before our call, um, and I asked her what it was like uh, to have had IBS for 30 years. Um, What's IBS? Irritable bowel syndrome. So um, she said, well, um, I don't really talk about it. Um, so when I said, what's it like, that opens up discussion for anything because somebody might say, oh, it's hell on earth or it's very stressful or it makes me feel this way. So it's whatever their interpretation is of what's it like. Um, and she said, well, I really don't talk about it because um, I'm in Britain and we have a stiff upper lip in Britain and uh, nobody really asks me about it, so I don't talk about it. And I thought, oh, yeah, the typical British stereotype. Um, and so I said, but I understand that that may be um, a generic uh, overview of, of British people, um, but it, uh, does it apply to your family and friends? Um, and she said, yes, I really don't discuss this with them. And so we then explored what that was like for her to push all that down and not express it. Um, so it's just another example of the impact uh, life has on our body if we're not able to express what's going on for us. Um, so feeling the fear and doing it anyway uh, is going to cause uh, long-term uh, detrimental effects because it's going to impact the body um, again and again. So, for example, if a man thinks he has to be macho and he's doing some hang gliding and he can't yell out and scream, uh, then he may instead, his heart rate might uh, increase, he might start uh, sweating, um, and his body may go rigid because that, his body has to let it out in some way. Mm -hmm. 
Well, I know with in my particular case, when I'm feeling uh, really stressed out, my I clench my jaw, and after and that was becoming a problem. Like my dentist, he made a mouth guard. Po- you know, I was a, like, let's not deal with the causal issues and the fact that normally, in an you know in a optimum situation guys don't grind their teeth all night long because of the stress that they're living. <laughs> well, let's just stick something between your teeth so they can't grind, right? <laughs> <laughs> and uh, so, but I mean, and it was painful too. Like I would get these pains in my jaw and everything else. So when I left that particular uh, career and and discovered that there was uh, what relaxation really was, or certainly a, a lesser level of stress was, and I stopped clenching. Now, of course, one of my clues from my body is, oh, I've got a sore jaw. I've been clenching. I'm too stressed out. I need to deal with the stress. Yes, that's right. So uh, listening for the body signs. Absolutely. So important. Yes. Um, and so it was interesting for me yesterday with the hang gliding because I asked um, the guy who took me up, if uh, anybody had ever uh, had a really negative response. Um, And he said only one, and that was a um, a gentleman who had been uh, very confident and sure that he could take on anything, and he he was uh, not afraid of anything. And uh, he, uh, when they took off, he started hyperventilating and sweating so profusely. And... um, the way that we, we, I was positioned was I was almost hugging um, the guy that had taken me up. So my arm, my right arm was wrapped around him. And he told me that this particular guy had gripped him so hard that he was actually hurting his ribs. Uh, so he then went straight down and landed because it was obviously not safe to um, hang glide with him in that state. But that was, again, his body was sending out the the messages that he didn't feel safe and he was afraid, but he wasn't willing to let it out sort of verbally or scream out or anything like that. So it had to come out in another way. That's funny. You remind me of a, a friend of mine who went skydiving and... Uh, he was very similar, to, I think, to this guy you're talking about in that he, you know, oh, this isn't going to be that bad and everything else. And he really wasn't paying any attention to all the safety things and all this and all that. And then they get up there and he's like, oh, <laughs> and then it's his turn to jump. And, and, he's, and of course, I guess he's jumping and there's a guy strapped on his back who's the instructor. And it was... Uh, he's going down and he's going faster and faster and he didn't hadn't put on his goggles right because he hadn't listened the wind caught the goggles and it was half in half out and the goggle was digging into his nose and and he's like a terrified screaming all the way down and of course the the guy who <laughs> the instructor is like tapping him like and then tapping the watch right at a certain point you have to pull something and it's his job to pull this thing and he was and he was forgetting about it was just the whole thing was just a a nightmare and of course they end up landing safe he pulls it in time and they land safely and everything else and and he was just like oh so freaked out and and the uh, instructor was just, so i knew you were going to have that type of an experience and he's like what? Uh. how did you oh i knew i could tell you weren't paying any attention you thought you knew it all i said i said i was just waiting to see what happened yes <laughs> so uh, so sometimes we create fear because we don't 
uh, we're not aware of what we're going on, what's going on, and what we should be doing too, right? Exactly, that's another way it's created for sure. <laughs> but I just thought that was pretty funny, and the way he tells it, of course, is absolutely hilarious, right? He's <laughs> flailing through the air, and the ground is coming up really quick, and he forgot. I mean, he couldn't even remember what he was supposed to be pulling on, right? All right, so we're getting close to the end of today's uh, episode, Annabelle. What uh, what last tips could we give uh, our listeners for dealing with different types of fears? I think the one that we've talked about, I think that's most important, is not pushing it down, which is not dealing with it. And we need to resolve it. We need to deal with it. We need to let that energy go. We need to respect our body. Sure, that's right. And, uh, of course, when we say deal with it, that... Uh, that means uh, in whatever way works for the person, but in our case, it's through EFT. So respond to it by using the EFT. Um, and uh, it, the ways to do that are acknowledging the physical symptoms that we're feeling in that moment, um, if possible. So, I mean, it may not be po uh, possible in that moment to tap, but then certainly tap afterwards. Um, or to go back to... Uh, the root cause if you feel like you have an awareness of what that might be um, and uh, of course then to tap on the the mechanics of having the phobia uh, so for example when I started working with my mom and her fear of swimming uh, we we've, we went very specifically to um, the fear of her getting in the pool um, and what that was like for her and what it felt like um, particularly if she can put her feet on the ground. Um, so uh, th we were going through the specifics of what it was like in that moment. Um, and then in actual fact, we did it in a pool. And so then she got in and she went a little deeper. So what's it like for you as you think about the, the phobia that you have um, and, and uh, tapping on that and just acknowledging the fact that you have that phobia, you don't even really need to go into specifics. Um, but I certainly recommend uh, acknowledging in the moment what your body is doing as you're experiencing that fear. Yeah, cool. And I think that's really important. Yes, uh, because again, go to going back, it honors what you're feeling and it's not wrong, it's just what's happening. Um, so as long as uh, you can feel calmer about that moment, then you can start tapping on, um, I acknowledge that I have this phobia and I really want to release it now and let it go safely. Yeah, awesome. So Annabelle, if somebody wanted to delve more into dealing with these fears, because we've really, we've talked kind of about... Um, you know, that, first of all, that you can deal with the fears and that EFT is a very uh, effective way of doing that, but we haven't really, um, and, I, and I don't think in this, in this venue it would be appropriate at any rate to talk about what specifically you, you should be doing in terms of the tapping and everything else because it's so individual for, for each person. Um, but if somebody wanted to delve into this in more depth, uh, what should they do? Yes, um, I agree. It is it is very specific, uh, Scott, because people are coming this from uh, at this from all different perspectives. Um, 
so please feel free to go to my website, theefthealingcenter.com, and uh, I've got a lot of uh, written resources there, and uh, you can always uh, sign up for a 30-minute complimentary phone session with me. Uh, we can discuss whatever your phobia is and the best way to approach it so that you can really live a fulfilling life that isn't blocked by whatever this big phobia is that's held you back. Wonderful. Thanks for joining us, everybody. We'll see you again next week. Bye-bye.